Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will. Um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands and um, good thing. and apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done. Founding members of the WB Club. Wake and they come on. Where's Toby? So I'm practicing, you know, social distancing, and I have a few tips for everybody, you know. You know, no sharing pipes or joints, things like that. The three words that describe this show, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Welcome in. Saturday Suckage. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Rohde with you. Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score over three hours of Saturday Suckage. We suck so you don't have to. In these challenging times, we take it upon, we take the burden seriously. And here we are for that. Mark Rohde, how are you? Chicago's Sports Radio 670, the score. Sports, Stevie Sunshine, is upon us. There's an actual Cubs game on the score tomorrow night. Cubs and the White Sox. And hopefully both of those teams will open their respective seasons for real a week from yesterday. That would be the next Friday in life. For the Cubs and Brewers out at Wrigley Field. Next Friday in life. That's the best way to describe it. The next time (laughs) you see a Friday on your calendar, that is when real baseball will be happening on both sides of our city. Just like that. Boom. There it is. Baseball. No, whoop, there it is. That's the the Cubs have just discovered the 1990s. So let me (laughs) let me ask you something, because I was going to say, are you like me? But I know you're not like me. But I had had, so I need some therapy in doctor, on Dr. Rohde's couch. So I'm going to lay down now, and we're going to go through this. I've had issues committing to reading up on everything and wanting to know everything about the Cubs and Sox and Blackhawks and Bears as a fan. Now, we do it professionally. What do we need to know? What are the stories? What can we talk about? What, how, do we, how do we do this Saturday Suckage radio show? But as a fan, I had everything I read, with, it was uh, the, under this umbrella of, it's going to be a waste of time. They'll never finish this. Some might not even get started. It was like the this, this sports version of fear of commitment. I could be doing something better. Now, as far as the Hawks are concerned, Without Corey Crawford and with Jeremy Colleton, they got no shot. Sorry. Unless Malcolm Subban or Colin Delia 
spent the quarantine becoming Patrick Waugh, it's not. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> the Bears are a whole different thing. Ryan Pace doesn't know quarterbacks are tight end. Nagy doesn't know his own quarterback, and his quarterback shouldn't be playing quarterback. So they're just a whole mess. But then, like reading Gordon Whitmire's piece about the Cubs tuning out all of this, and, and other, peop- other places wrote it about the Cubs tuning out all, forget arbitration, forget all of the, you know, back off nerds was the idea. This is 60 games, and the score is going to have tomorrow's first practice game, the Crosstown practice game. So how did you get so far ahead? What did you do to believe this? Because you were... you were giving out standings yesterday. You were giving out win totals. You were you were you were acting like this is normal. There's nothing normal about this. And I don't want to waste my time committing to something that is going to be useless in the end. So how did you, Mark Rohde, do this? Well, part of it, Steve, honestly, is hosting solo. When one hosts solo, one has to come up with lots of content. And I have made up my mind and my theory when I'm hosting solo shows that I would like to spend most of my time discussing the actual sports. Like I made an active decision to proceed as if there is going to be sports. It's kind of like part of the reason is, is because obviously my primary job at the score is to cover the Chicago Bears on a, on a daily basis and training camp and all of that. And of course, I've been obsessively trying to find out is am I going to be in Lake Forest on July 28th covering Bears games, or am I going to be sitting on my couch on a Zoom conference call or none of the above? <laughs> yeah. I was told by somebody high up in the business that um, is part of the NFL that proceed as if there are going to be games and everything is going to be normal, but don't necessarily expect it to be normal. So my philosophy has been be ready be prepared, be well-read on the topics at hand, and then there won't be any problems if they strip it out from under you and that there are no games. One advantage you should have, Steve, and I do too, I do too, is that being in the business makes us a little bit more jaded, a lot less fan, um, hopefully a lot more objective. So I don't think, and I'm, I'm projecting this on you, I don't think you are one to carry sports in your heart at this point, unless it, um, you know, goes back to Stevie, little Stevie Sunshine, as an eight or nine year old. But my guess is that you are, you're not feeling passion necessarily, whether this was a 162 game season or a 60 game season. So, so tap into that, tap into your jaded side, Steve, when it comes to this. As in, you, you're not going to get emotionally attached if you allow yourself to, as I have do deep dives and do picks on every single team in Major League Baseball as I did yesterday. Thanks for listening, by the way. I do. I, I, I always listen to you, and I listen to Lawrence. I, I, to, a, 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 an aside from what we're doing here, discussing the professional part of it, that you and Lawrence do an excellent job of solo talk radio, which I think is a difficult thing to do, so difficult to the point I won't do it, and I, I just don't think it's good listening. You guys make it terrific. So I'm listening to you, and I'm going, and, I, and that's when it struck me. It's like, Mark's doing this like, like a fan. He's doing it professionally. Uh-huh. And I realize I need that part of this is the, the jaded part of what do I need to know, breaking it down that way. But then it, it hit me. It's like, well, it's 60 games. And then in reading stuff this morning, and you think about David Ross, David Ross saying, you know, you, you're hot, you play. You're not, you sit. And that might be one game because suddenly that's three games. There's the, 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 the multiplica- multiplier involved. And suddenly it's like, wow, we're going to watch this new manager. And in fact, we're going to watch two new managers. We're going to watch a guy getting his first his first experience in the big leagues in a shortened season when expectations are this is the last dance for the team with which he won a World Series, for which he was a central emotional sheriff. And then the other guy on the other side of town, he can't wait. He's not developing anybody anymore. 
this is it's go time. It's ready, set, play. It's ready, set, win. Ricky Renteria, there's no more, no excuses. That's it. Go. And that, that part of me that that stepped out from the jaded professional part was, that's when I said, I need to talk this over with Grody. He's way ahead of me on this. So that's why we're here doing what we're doing. Doctor. Here's what we're going to do then, Steve. Here's the way I, the cure will be. My suggestion to you. No, actually, this is what I would like you to do. Doctor, doctor, give me the give news. Give me the news. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. I would like you to do, you know, let's see, 1125, we'll have Steve Rosenblum's picks for Major League Baseball <laughs> this year. <laughs> Yeah, I, I okay. made hey moving hey, right it, along. It it made me feel a little bit normal yesterday when filling in for Lawrence Holmes, I went through every single baseball pick, my prognostications. Um, and in case you missed it, I've got uh, I've got the Tampa Bay Rays winning it all this year. Blake Snell and that Rona. Hey, what's up with that Rona? Ooh, They're gonna win it Rona. all. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. So. Um, Rays in the Rona. Rays in the Rona, yo. By the way, wow. I should say this too. I should say this. Uh, let me implement uh, one of the the show moms into the program at this point. Gene, um, <laughs> Gene, not Alice. Uh-huh. Yeah, not Alice yet. We'll, we'll get, we can get to Alice. Gene Grody yesterday. I went talking to her on the telephone, and you know she listening to some of my solo shows when she has had the opportunity. She she said, well, you know. It's going to be, re- she, she's feeling it. She's like, it's going to be good for you on Saturday when you can get back on with, with Steve and you'll have somebody to play off of and, you know, just have somebody to talk to. It'll be a little bit easier. I'm like, yeah, you, you got it, Mom. You got it. So. No, it won't. I just, I just get in the way. I appreciate that, Gene. I love you a long time. I'm, I'm you, the Gene and Jerry, Gene and Gary Grody, I, I feel like the, um, the adopted son you never adopted and you're staying away from. So I can feel that. That love the big the big radio embrace but um but um i i do think you do an excellent job you're just sort of talking to people instead of talking to me and that's great i i don't feel i don't have that confidence i don't think i'm that interesting i think you lawrence do an excellent job and i'm glad i'm glad gene tunes in every once in a while to see what her adult son is doing yeah, she clicks on and off every once in a while. And incidentally, I will be in uh, next Thursday and Friday, noon to two, for Lawrence Holmes while we're at it. Lawrence Holmes, as we say in the business, getting so much deserved time off uh, this week. So Joe O is going to be in a couple of days. I'll be in a couple of days for Loho next week. But we'll we'll hold it down, man. It's do what you got to do time of the year. You know what I'm saying? It is. Something else that really that, that I wanted to that made this connection for me of like where I felt like I want to watch this or two things. Last week I watched and listened to Jason Benetti and our Chuck do yes. a White Sox yes. scrimmage. And, uh-huh. and it was Dallas Keuchel day. Oh my yes. God. Ooh. First of all, first of all, Jason Benetti and, and Chuck Garfine are professionals they could work with anybody, probably except me, but they could work with anybody. And the fact that they're together and they're they're in that booth or not in that booth, but they're on the same mic and they're they're talking baseball, the best thing you go way back and you listen to Hawk and Wimpy. And their broadcast always sounded like two guys at the end of the bar discussing hitting. Jason and Chuck sound like two guys at the end of the bar discussing baseball. And Jason and Steve, because Steve Stone is just so much smarter than everybody out there, that it makes it even better. So I'm watching that. And then Dallas Keuchel blows up everything. Dallas Keuchel throws, okay, let's put him in situation. Let's see what happens when he, oh, he's working from the stretch, and he's throwing a perfect game for three innings. So, because nobody on his team that is supposed to compete for the AL Central title can hit Dallas Keuchel, they put runners on second and third, maybe with one out, maybe with no outs. Nobody's really sure. There's no official announcement. And then he gets out of it. Nick Madrigal makes, shows off his arm. Dallas Kygo gets out of it, walks off the field. And as if to say, now, what else you got? And it was so, like, this was the reason they brought that guy in there. And that was one moment when it's, like, started to grow. The other one was, in reading about David Ross saying, look, 
you be ready, you know, or sit down, go big, or I'll tell you to go home. And, and there's going to be no time for excuses, no time for hard feelings. Yeah, I go back to that August series against the Giants in 15, 2015, when Joe Madden started doing stuff like this, and he was doing the 60-game thing then. You're going to bench Starling Castro, who had been your starting quarter, uh, shortstop. And by the way, Jason Hamill, you're not going to see the fifth inning. It's August. Mm-hmm. It matters. Come on out. Have a seat next to me. Grit your teeth and be angry. But that was... That was when it's, uh, that's what I compared David Ross's words to, or, and, and we'll, we'll get to see if it, we'll have to see if it plays out, but that's, that really got me excited. That was the fan in me. And you were there, you were watching that going, oh my God, this really matters now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that, that makes me wonder too, this year in a 60 game schedule, because Joel Madden has thrived typically in his career, maybe not his last two years down the stretch in a season, but Joel Madden uh-huh. does his best managing, typically even going back to his Tampa Bay days, in the in the late July, August, and their fourth portion of the schedule. And hopefully David Ross, although he's clearly his own guy and is going to do things differently than Joel Madden did, hopefully he did pick up that urgency factor and you can't screw around when there's 60 games left uh, in a season. And to the differences as well, since you brought up David Ross, we finally heard one very succinct difference between the way Joe Madden will manage the team and the way David Ross will manage the team, and it involves one player. I don't know if you heard him discussing Kyle Hendricks, who was named the Cubs opening day starter, but David Ross said he kind of thought it was comical that Oftentimes, Kyle Hendricks was, especially younger in his Joe Madden tenure, that he was not allowed to go a third time through the lineup. And the the most symbolic example of that would be Game 7 of the World Series when he pulled, <laughs> yes. right? When, when Joe Madden was like, that's it, that's it. I want Lester coming in this game because he could throw a wild pitch and two runs could score. But, uh... <laughs> yeah, my, 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 the guy I, the guy who beat the, who ended the Dodgers series has a 5-1 to one lead in Game 7 of the World Series, but we can't let him keep going. Right, so I think that David Ross just showed, because everyone wants to know, how's he going to be different? How's it? Well, there's one really good yes. example. We kind of have a rough draft, you know, personality-wise, how he's going to be different. But there you go. There is one exact concrete example of how David Ross will deal with this team differently. He's going to let Kyle Hendricks go longer in games. Well, he's going to go with the best guy. And I really, that reminded me of, uh, of Joe Torrey. And I know Joe Torre gets there's there's some lack of credit. Well, anybody could manage that team, and I remember Jim Leland making a joke about it. Um, there's um, talking about closers, and Detroit always had closer problems. And Eddie remarks, says Joe Torre's got Roberto over there. No wonder he just sits on the bench swinging his legs. And so <laughs> Joe Torre, Joe Torre used to get a lack of credit. There's some lack of credit, but it, it's harder to manage. It, it is very hard to manage when you're expected to win, and and you have to handle probably more. It's more psychological than it is personnel, and that is an art. And Joe Torre was dealing with an owner who was nuts, as well as some players who were playing in the biggest media market. And what he did was he just said, "Nobody's here. Your scholarships don't matter. Mm. I'm gonna game one is gonna go to the guy." who I think can win game one. And it might have been David Wells, it might have been Roger Clemens, it might have been uh, David Cohn, whoever it was. It always seemed to be Andy Pettit in game two because Andy Pettit was going to play game two the way Joe wanted him to, but there was always that. There was never one guy. It was never, well, John Lester's the the guy. He's going to have to pitch game one. You you always, didn't you sense that under Madden that it was he was going to go, you know, the seniority route? and not yeah. somebody he thinks could win that. And a manager should win that day's game. Of course, those were longer seasons. Didn't you sense that with Joe? I did. I did, for sure. I think he felt a sense of duty to go often with... Duty. He said it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. That John Lester, because he's John Lester, John Lester should be the guy. But this was... See, because coming into this year, based on what you just said... I, if somebody would have asked me two weeks ago who's going to be the opening day starter, I probably would have said you Darvish 
based solely on what he did towards the end of the season. And he was terrific. Mm-hmm. He was great in his last, like, even if you look at the game logs, his last five, U Darvish, his last five games, he absolutely straight up dominated. However, here's what I think may have gone into some of the decision making as well. You know, you Darvish, if you go back to last year, too, and you look at those game logs, he was awful in the beginning of the season. And, like, I think he had seven walks his first game. He had a bunch of four- and five-walk games early on. He had an excuse for every game, and it looked like more of the same from the previous year. You Darvish was not trending well in the beginning of last year. You cannot afford to have a, a slumpy start. And for some reason, you Darvish takes a little while to figure it out. He's a slightly more fickle personality. I think he's got too many pitches in his arsenal. He's got a lot to think about, whereas Kyle Hendricks just goes out there and does it. So I think that that probably went into the decision-making as well. Not to mention that, more to your point, Kyle Hendricks looks so damn good in that practice game the other day, as you like to say. Well, he has all he has all along, and I also think another part of this is that David Ross should not be able to get away from the fact that there that you Darvish is a guy who has an, an extraordinary amount of pride and willing humility. There's a there's a, a almost a guilelessness to his honesty and self-examination and the way he takes it seriously. And I I do think if I were David Ross. From what I know about you, Darvish, and David Ross always obviously knows more. He's seen it. He can certainly talk to more people about him. I think this is a guy who would burden himself to such a great degree in a situation like that. It's a shortened season. He had a terrific finish. Can he start off that way? The team has to get off on the right foot. And there's a guy, and we've seen him. There were some games against... Milwaukee before where he's throwing balls down the right field line or he can't I mean he can't feel the bunt or just where there's right. you you think there's a meltdown and I think it is somebody that places such everything is extra stressful for him because he's a man of terrific pride and I respect him for that but at times you just have to breathe and maybe David Ross says you know what pitching game two breathe you know what? Yeah. We'll have Matt. We'll have Maddox go in game one, and then Jose right. Guzman. Jose Guzman can pitch in game two, <laughs> and maybe pitch a near no hitter. That happened. Maddox opened the season, and Jose Guzman got into the ninth inning with a no hitter, pitching game two of the that. season, and nobody was there. Yeah, that was hurry. Get ready to rush down to Wrigley. I was told. Oh, thank God he gave up a hit. Yes, Jose Guzman. Greg Maddox. Right. There was people who covered that team. I remember Brian Hanley was covering the Cubs when we were both at the Sun-Times. And Jose Guzman was saying, Greg Maddox, Greg Maddox, Jose Guzman, Jose Guzman. (laughs) (laughs) And Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, I guess. Anyways, I think that went into David Ross's thinking. I don't know. Do you have any other insight on on you, Darvish, and whether the psychological part of it played, um, played a piece? I think that's fair. I do. I mean, just like I said, like he he had a... Obviously, his first year was just a train wreck with the Cubs, mm-hmm. whether it was when he was actually in there and then the subsequent injury. Uh, and then, like I said, last year he was bad at the beginning of the year, too. So, you know, you give him a little, you know, space. Give him his space. The interesting part is I was talking to the the deluxe Mark Gonzalez yesterday of the Chicago I Tribune. I heard that. I heard it. You had a deluxe interview with the deluxe Cubs reporter from the Chicago Tribune. Did you hear him say that he thinks Tyler Chatwood could end up being the the third pitcher in the rotation and not John Lester? I, I did hear that, and I and I think, and and I immediately thought of Mitch Trubisky, and here's why: hmm. stuff. Tyler Chatwood's stuff is unbelievable when you're just watching it when it doesn't matter. And then when it matters, the way, same way Mitch Trubisky can look really good in practice and 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 helmets and shorts and all that, and then you're going to make him face some kind of a real hitter in Chatwood's case or real defense in Trubisky's case, and then it's, oh, my God, it's oh, no time. That's what I thought of. I understand what, and then with all respect to Gonzo, we've seen a lot of baseball, he's seen a lot of pitchers, and maybe it's different this year. And maybe I'm just still scarred from that. Did you not think that we've heard this about Chatwood before and then he walks the ballpark? 
Yeah, I mean, the thing is about Ch- okay. So two years ago, we know Chatwood was. So I mean, something was wrong mentally with him, right? Because he just he had the yips, um, something. Because he wasn't just walking guys; he was missing badly, like comically. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, Wilson Contreras yeah. jumping all over the place trying to catch him. Last year, they put him in a position to win. They put him in not always safe spots, but positions to win, positions to win. And sometimes he was put in high leverage. He was not put in the highest of leverages. I mean, those distinctions ended up going for the most part to, to Rowan Wick and eventually to Craig Kimbrell, and that's another whole topic as well. And so he succeeded. Even in his spot starts here and there, he succeeded. I just wonder now, even with all the, the stuff that he has, and he's, he's got it, man, he's got a good arm, will it be get back in his head now that you are you're every fifth day or sixth day or however David Ross handles things this year, hopefully it doesn't get back in his head. One thing to his advantage, or maybe Cubs fans watching him, their advantage is that this is his this is the final year of his contract with the Cubs, and we all know that guys, whatever, there's always that little magic bit of adrenaline that occurs when you know that it's a money year and a walk year for Tyler Chatwood. So it's interesting. It's really, I mean, like I've said, I've said the same thing about the Cubs and the White Sox. I'm pretty, no, I am sure about their top two guys. Giolito Keuchel, yes. Darvish Hendricks, yes. Beyond that, we'll see. I have... In all of this talk about being excited about this season, I'm looking forward to it. The, the games tomorrow, Monday, Sunday and Monday, you'll hear them on the score, Cubs, Sox, one at each park, and, and the practice games. Um, I mean, look, it feels like a Legion season. So we're, we're it's American Legion all season. <laughs> so we're going to call them practice games the way they do in, in Legion ball. And then they're scheduled to start the season if something, if everything plays out, <clears throat> fine. I still have doubts they're going to finish it, but I'm excited to see things start. And in talking about David Ross, I think there's a the biggest decision he's going to make I want to talk about next after this break. I want to tell everybody what's going on with our show. There is some actual planning being done by Trash Panda. And oh. at, 12, at 12.20, James Fegan of The Athletic will be here. The White Sox are undergoing some changes and a lot and it's money and it's and it's the personnel department it's it's human beings not in uniform but it the biggest question is what does this mean to all of those in uniform we'll talk to James Fegan about that at one o'clock Nancy Armour longtime friend longtime acquaintance longtime uh, press box acquaintance I meant longtime somebody who has been covering sports for AP and USA Today She's written about the the house of turds that is the Washington NFL football team and the story from the Washington Post about the sexual harassment that went on. Fifteen women in that organization came forward. And every woman in sports has unfortunately endured this. And people like me who looked over it, didn't do anything, didn't realize it, just too busy doing something else, doing the job, um, I'm, I was racked with guilt about this, but Nancy will give us insight on this and where it goes from here and how it gets better. Um, sometime in the show, we're going to do, what are you doing, Wagner? We have that. And um, our text line, the Tech Zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. And as usual, should someone mistakenly call... Now, the text line is 312-644-6767. Should someone place a call to that number, then we will hear the breaking call sounder and... Trash Panda will introduce the caller to you and me, Mark, and then we'll carry on a conversation. And so when you weren't here last week and Espo was, we had another caller-free show. So there was no reason to use <laughs> call sounder. That's ten in a row. <laughs> yeah, it is. We're, we're running quite a streak. 
We'll see if we can get through the entire baseball season. Anyways, um, that's what's going on. I don't know. 312-644-6767 is both the number and the number to call and the text line. Mark and I are broadcasting from our individualized versions of the Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers. When we come back, David Ross's biggest decision, how impatient, how patient, how's he going to work this? I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Saturday Suckage, of course, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast brands have tough duty every day (laughs) he said duty oh yeah now that was mark Pressman. okay um I do have a whole, in, in what are you doing, Wagner? There's a Bears quarterback mention, former Bears quarterback mention examination. It's quite a thing. Mm. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Um, but when last we left you on Saturday Suckage, Steve Rosenblum and Mark Rohde here, David Ross's biggest decision, now he's got, he's made his starting, his game one starter decision. It's Hendricks. Then... Darvish, and you talked about Chetwood and a texter <laughs> saw you respond to said, "Don't say walk here with Chatwood." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really good. Um, and who knows with John Lester? We know that we know David Ross was brought in not to be John Lester's caddy, but to to snap him out of it to talk straight to him and that he can do that and now he's got problems with Rizzo's back and Rizzo was one of the two likely leadoff candidates right Chris Bryant the other that was the talk and now how are you going to handle Wilson Contreras when you've got 85 catchers on the roster what are you going to do with that his biggest decision in my world right now how long will he let Craig Kimbrell suck? Hmm. You have no time to wait. You have no way to rebound from Ke- Craig Kimbrell sucking. How long can you get? Can you let a guy try to find himself in a 60-game season where every game is almost worth three, 2.7, whatever it is? What do you think? I, I still think that's going to be his greatest decision, and. If that is his greatest decision, when does he tell Kimbrel, you stink, I can't use you, 
then who, then what? I'm positive that he will not allow him to give up nine home runs like he did last year when his season started in late June, and it just kept getting worse and worse. A 6.53 ERA, he is not going to be allowed to attain this year, is Craig Kimbrell. It's a great question. I think it should be one and done, to be honest with you, because this has been going on for really? a little while now with Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I think it's that urgent because, I mean, if you go back, if you remember even in Boston in 2018, he struggled in the postseason, and there was a lot of people angry with Kimbrell, like we weren't in that Boston bubble. But I've read up on it, and they kind of were done with Craig Kimbrell. Obviously, he wasn't signed in 2019 until the Cubs went and got him. And there he was without the the extra ticks on the arm in terms of velocity and miles per hour. So if that is similar, if the, if the, if the velocity is down and he's given up home runs or home run in his first appearance, I think it's time to sit him down. I think it's time for Jeremy Jeffress or Rowan Wick or whomever, if you want to do a mix and match situation, maybe you maybe you put Kimbrell someplace else and you rebuild his confidence and give it another shot at some point in time. But you can't mess around, man. And there's enough of a sample going on with Craig Kimbrell going back to 2018 that he may not be your ninth inning guy. Do you have time to rebuild anything? You use the word and I, point. when you talk about rebuild yeah. his confidence, and I understand what you're saying, and and maybe maybe sitting for three days is enough time to rebuild. But but here's in, in whatever weight you give to the dynamics, one is the man who hired David Ross seemingly empowered him to make the decisions. Is also the one who paid an exorbitant amount of money for Craig, Craig Kimbrell to suck. So Theo has an investment in his manager to make the right decisions in a last stand kind of year. And Theo has a bigger investment in that closer who, who is, when last we saw it was poom poom, right? Out poom poom, out go the lights, as Pat Travers might sing. And, and, how, and you can't, is one game enough? What if it's Christian, what if he sucks? And it's Christian Yelich in that opening series. Let's say Hendricks goes eight. It's it's one one. Hendricks can't go anymore. And Kimbrel comes in and he gives up the bottom of the ninth. He gives up a ninth inning home run to Yelich. That sucks. You've lost a game. You've lost three games essentially. But it's Yelich. Yeah, but so it's Kimbrel. Does that make Right, I know, but does it make a difference that it's Yelich? Does it? No, mean... because it's Kimbrel. Because Kimbrel's supposed to be a Hall of Famer, right? He's supposed to be one of the best relievers <laughs> of all time. You know what I'm saying? Like it. Hey, you can look at it both ways. It's Yel. It's Kimbrel. Kimbrel is supposed to get Yelich out. That's what. That's why he's paid the money he is. That's why he is has had. He's had a great career. He will be a Hall of Famer someday, and he's one of the Ooh, best I don't of all know time. About that. You don't, I don't think know so? About, no. Ooh, I don't. No, I, I don't know if I have the energy important... for a Hall of Fame debate, but. At the mo- well, the most important part of his, of any team's season, Chris Sale closed because he sucked. <laughs> well, so that's not a Hall of Famer in my world. Yeah, no, you're you're right. But sometimes as years go by, it just gets down and dirty into the actual numbers. And okay, this guy saved 40 that year, 48 this. You know, then it it you don't look at the game logs quite as much is what I'm saying. So. I do think Kimbrell will be a Hall of Famer, but I, I and to that point, yeah, he's got to get Christian Yelich out. That's what you don't bring in Craig Kimbrell to only get the guys out whose names you don't know as well as Christian Yelich. So, yeah, I mean, and look, at least at least you don't put him in the next night, or right, you bring in you, you try somebody else in the ninth inning, and maybe you go back to Kimbrell, but definitely not your. You're, no matter what happens, closers are going to blow saves. It happens sometimes. I think we're beyond that point with Kimbrell, don't you? Or are you all for just giving him a run? I, I no, I'm not. I'm I'm worn out because I'm 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 gun shy already, having seen him. He's lost velocity, and I've lost patience and lost confidence in him. And an 815 texture makes a really good point. Ross was the one who gave the green light to Epstein to sign him. 
Ross went down to the oh, double, yeah. the, the catcher went down to Georgia and caught him and said, <laughs> yeah, this is what we want. Well, no. Hey, so, guys, per, per your Hall of Fame debates, Craig Kimbrell led the league in saves, led the National League in saves, I should say, for four consecutive years starting in 2011. 46, 42, 50, 47, had 42 saves again in 2018. He's statistically one of the best closers of all time. So Grody has a good point. Right, So that I, I and that's care. what people Lee, look at. I, I mean, I appreciate Lee, what you're Lee doing, Smith Steve. Took, Lee Smith took forever, and it's all about winning. See, that's, the, that's why I get back to what we, it gets back to what we started, this whole discussion, this whole show. This all of this Saturday suckage. It's about winning right now. It's not about next year's free agency, next year's next year's arbitration. It's not about you can't even have bonus clauses anymore. There's not you're not going to achieve certain numbers. You're not going to finish certain games. It's about winning. And so I that's always been what I've looked at as Hall of Famers, or even when I had votes in in the in covering the NHL. When you're talking about MVP or whatever, did his team make the playoffs? And that's what matters that year or in a career. Did he win? So the Boston Red Sox needed needed him to be Craig Kimbrell, and he couldn't be. He was I, Antonio Alfonseca. I mean, he was Carlos Marmol. He was he was anybody <laughs> but. And they, they used Chris Sale to close the World Series. So, I love the way you're looking at it. I mean, I, I wish that everybody would uh, drill down deeply like that when they look at Hall of Famers or potential ones and look at what they actually, like, whether it's a hitter, what they did situationally, if it's a pitcher, what were they able to do when it really mattered. But unfortunately, for better or for worse, when he comes up for Hall of Fame, it's going to be the numbers that Adam Sadinsky just gave us, and that's the dominating as a closer and the number of saves for that position. That that like if we're really doing the Hall of Fame debate, that's what it's going to come down to. Even though I like the way you're analyzing it, look at where Lee Smith. Look at the time he finished his career. Find the year. Find the number of saves. See how what kind of record that was. It was like it was at the time it was comparable to Nolan Ryan's strikeout. Nobody's even second. You can't see him from there. You need the Hubble telescope to find whoever's second. And how long did it take Lee Smith, the all-time leader in saves, to get into the Hall of Fame? So and Lee Smith, Lee Smith in 1991 had 47 saves, which in the early 90s is pretty damn good. Don't you think uh-huh. it was dumb, Steve, that it took? Lee Smith that long to get into the Hall of Fame though and that is finally they're starting to give some respect to closers which relatively speaking that position has not been around uh, that long I, I do I don't I don't think it's gonna I don't think that there's enough there's enough respect given to closers for the Hall of Fame because they're did every writer who votes on the Hall of Fame has at some point written about a manager's bonehead decision to leave a guy in uh, too long or when a closer didn't have it or he brought in the closer when the starter shouldn't have been taken out or whatever it was, you've written about a closer who is, and you've written about the fact that some guys can't pitch the ninth inning. They can pitch the eighth, they can't pitch the ninth. Latroy Hawkins. Exactly. And there's such a magnifying glass. It is so big and yet they never wanted to vote a closer in. It wasn't that big of a deal. It, it and it's stupid. I'm sorry. It's part of the game. It's what what they do with designated hitters. It's part of the game. Some guys do it exceptionally well. Edgar Martinez is one of those guys. What's up with that? Why not? Why can't you recognize? Well, he's not a real baseball player. Look, I'd rather have Edgar Martinez know he shouldn't be on the field than some guys who don't know better and they take a glove out there. That's crazy. I don't want him out there playing soccer or running pass patterns out there. I just think it's stupid the way they some writers, some voters, let's leave it at that, look at it. And closers should have been gotten should have been getting more respect. But I'm kind of basing what I'm saying on as regarding the Hall of Fame based on the history of the way these voters tend to look at it. Closure's really important. You got to have the ninth inning. It's the most important inning. It's a, it's the most important three outs. But no, they don't get in the Hall of Fame. Well, you're an idiot then. I'm sorry. You're too stupid. Go play. Yeah. Go find another game. I'm not going to play in your game. All right. we gotta, Steve, do you see gotta, what's happened in the last 45 minutes, man? We talked hardcore baseball. See, we I did. Like it matters. Like yes. it matters. All right. Well, let's 
let's talk. Let's keep this whole baseball thing alive, and let's do six degrees of trivial. Six degrees of baseball trivia, and it always seems to run through Chicago. So let's do that, okay? When we come back, mm-hmm. before we before we get to the top of the hour. I'm Steve Rosen, Louis Mark Grody. This is Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy. The score. Welcome in, welcome back. Steve Rosen with Mark Rohde talking about actual baseball. I bet. Like there is actual baseball. There will be tomorrow. There will be cross-town fake game, practice game tomorrow. It's Legion Week on the north side. Monday it'll be Legion Week on the south side. I got a kick out of listening to Jason Benetti and our Chuck do the Dallas Keuchel game, such as the game was the game or the... All right, guys, let's call it. Let's go home. Let's go to Dairy Queen. Everybody gets a blizzard. <laughs> and anyway, they're going to play a practice game tomorrow or whatever they're going to do. So anyway, since we're talking like actual baseball here, and I still don't know how Craig Kimball ever gets into the Hall of Fame. He doesn't have 400 saves. So six degrees of baseball trivia. 21 years ago today, July 18th, 1999. I won't even ask you to tell me what happened, Mark. I will tell you, because it goes from here. David Cohn of the Yankees tossed the 16th perfect game in Major League history. He did it against the um, Expos. His catcher, you probably know. Who do you think his catcher was? David Cohn's perfect game in 1999, Yankee Stadium. Um, hmm. Was it's it? really not that hard. Occam's Razor, what's the simplest answer for Yankees catcher on a Chicago radio station? Oh, Joe Girardi. Hello, Johnny Olsen, tell him what he's won. I was so, overthinking it. I was overthinking it. Yeah, you were. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. All right, so that was his second one. He also caught um, David Wells' um, no-hitter. And I didn't know this until I talked to Girardi about something else, and he came up. The Yankees give catchers home plate. If they catch a no hitter at home, they dig up home plate and they give the catchers home plate. That seems fair. Yeah, it's great. I they give from what I understand, they give the pitchers the the rubber and the catchers get home plate. So there were, Girardi has two. There are two players, tied for catching the most no hitters slash perfect games. They each have four. Can you name them? Oh my God. So, Joe Girardi has two. My guess is it AJ Pierzynski. It is not. It is not. Okay. It is not. Okay. I would. I would AJ. have a. Much as I know about this, and I wrote a. I once wrote a long story about the catchers catching a no hitter, where I talked to Art Kushner and I talked to to Jason Kendall's dad and guys who have caught no hitters. And and what pressure they feel, and I never would have gotten this. Hmm. Gary Carter. No, no, that's a really nice guess. One is Chico Ruiz of the Phillies. Chico Ruiz. The other is Jason Veritek. Wow. Okay. Okay. Of the Red Boston. Sox. Yeah. Chico Ruiz caught four no hitters. You're intimately familiar with one of them. Can you name the guys? Chris Sale? No, Chico Ruiz of the Phillies. Cut four for the Phillies. Oh, oh, oh. Choo trees. So we're talking about the Phillies. Oh, it's Steve Carlton? Nope. He's not that old. Oh, okay. I don't know much about Chico Ruiz. He caught Cole Hamill's no hitter against the Cubs. (laughs) He caught two. Oh, okay. He caught two. I thought Chico Ruiz was like an old-time guy. Right, there is a Chico Ruiz, but not the catcher. That was the infielder. Uh, I, yeah, that was the Reds infielder. Yes, the I, was there. I was I, there. I was there. I know you were, Les. All I right, so in that booth. One by Cole Hamels, that was here. And two by Roy Halladay, one in the playoffs. And there was a combined no-hitter, started by Hamels, and then relief innings from Jake Diekman, Ken Giles, mm-hmm. and closed... Jonathan Papelbon, combined mm. no hitter. So here's Jason Veritex. Can you name any of the four? And I'll give you a hint. 
all of these six degrees of baseball trivia questions always run through Chicago. Jason Ferretek of the Boston Red Sox caught four no-hitters. Who are they? Uh, was there any knuckleballers involved? Um, no. Okay. Um, oh, Roger? Clemens? No. Um... Hmm. David Wells? No. Uh, wow. I think I'm going to need some help here. Can I phone a friend? Yeah, sure. Who do you want to phone? Yeah, really. You want to hey, phone Adam? Studs because he's already <laughs> looked it up. What do you All got, right, here's, buddy? <laughs> this is really, this is really a, the, quite the, quite the, the, the names. Hideo Nomo. Oh, my God, Dan yeah. Dan was a Red Sox. That was in 2001. The next year, Derek Lowe. I forgot he threw a no-hitter. Oh, my. Sinker baller. Yeah. And here's here's one that we all knew and forgot and we should never forget. Clay Buckholes. Yes. He was his second major league yes. start. Yes. In right. 2007. He did it against Baltimore. And I don't even think he made the playoff rotation that year. No, he didn't. <laughs> he might have no-hitter. And they went I on think to win he the might have gone series. back. Didn't Buckholes go back down to the minors even that something year? Something like that. Yeah, something like that, and, yeah. And his fourth no-hitter, May 19, 2008, against Kansas City, John Lester. Huh. Wow. Told you That's it good. always goes through Chicago. And here is, you're yeah. going to win a trivia question. This is, not, this is not even fair. I would have no clue. There are three players, Veritech being one of them. Name the other two players to have played in, played in, Little League World Series, College World Series, Major League World Series. Um, is Will Clark one of them? Nope. And no. neither is Chris Bryant. Let me save you a guess. You don't have okay. to pull okay. the audience. I don't know why I thought that. Is uh, Rafael Palmero one? No. You'll never guess. Oh, 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 wait. Buster Posey? Nope. Ed Vosberg, who is a oh, pitcher, Jesus. and Michael Conforto, the Mets outfielder. Oh, my God. Three guys, yeah, Little League World Series, College bad. World Series, Major League World Series. And All right, I don't feel bad. And so we have to take a break, and I don't know, when we come back, let's talk about the only guy to win a Little League World Series and a Stanley Cup. We can do that later on. Um, and we'll talk football after we take this break, because Trash Panda is, you didn't phone him, and <laughs> Trash Panda is, Trash Panda, now I'm from New York. This He's the pander. All right. Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 